Hi, this is Dr. Taylor Hartman doing Very Best of Living podcast. And guess what? We have an incredible surprise today. We have my wife doing the podcast with me. So Jean, say hi to the audience. Hello, everyone. This is going to be kind of a fun one. Uh, we're talking about healthy marriages, what makes healthy marriages work and why they work. And uh, I'm very happy to have her with me. She's been my soulmate um, in many ways, more than one since 1975, right? Which has been kind of fun. <laughs> now it feels like it's forever ago, right? So let's, let's just start. Um, what's, what do you think is the thing that has worked best for us in our marriage? What's your, in your mind? Probably that I am madly in love with you. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's probably the best thing. <laughs> um, that um, communication, um, listening. Yes. We really. We talk a lot. Yes. And we, we can listen. talk through it. We can pretty much talk through everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good. And, you know, it's funny that that madly in love, it does kind of keep things going. If you don't have this, I see couples that don't have that. It's yes. a struggle. It's longer. It's harder. Right. They may be good for each other in lots of ways, but it doesn't make them kind of heal as well. Sometimes I just sit and look at you doing something, even just working. And I, I'm just so overwhelmed with how much I love you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we have to have a, a moment for a kiss here. So just forgive us. <laughs> I, have to, I have to be honest with you. She does tell people that she never swore until she was married to me. That's right. So, <laughs> so, so let, let's just be honest about this, that uh, marriage is... Um, a lot of work and a lot of joy. I've often thought about that being single uh, forever, like never really hooking up with somebody long term. How hard that would be. Yes. Lonely. It, it seems like it would get harder the older you got, even though you got kind of routines in place. For sure, yes. Right? And so we have um, a, a great story how we met. I mean, it was amazing. So I was working in California as a security guard, if you can imagine. With a gun. No, they didn't give me a gun. They were oh, smarter God. than that. So I had no gun. But, I mean, I had a master's degree. The last thing I want to do is be a security guard. But I, I also didn't want to be in Utah anymore. So I lived in California with my family. And I got a call from a very good friend that I worked with in drug rehab. She was terrific. And she said, we have a job opening for you in Park City if you want to take it. And I was thrilled about the opportunity to work in the field that I loved. Um, not thrilled about going back to Utah at that time, but thrilled about that. And then you also had an interesting story, like you were teaching and yeah, I was, no, I wasn't, te I just graduated right. and I wanted to teach really bad. There were not a lot of teaching jobs available. And so I joined the Peace Corps with the exception that if I did find a job that I really wanted, then my contract was not, I didn't have to go. And Long story short, I ended up taking a job in Park City, Utah, teaching. Um, it was not the best circumstances at all until the second day of school when I met Taylor. And it was honestly one of those things where it just started out magical. And we were so young that the kids we worked with were like maybe three, five years <laughs> younger is all. And so we really connected with them as well. In fact, when we got married in March, many of them were at the wedding because that's who we were spending time with. So it, it was really one of those magical kind of romances. And then, of course, we left for California to start our life down there uh, the next year. And then we came back to Utah many years later, 
and uh, I'm very happy that we're here. Once we met, it went pretty fast. It did go fast, but I was also like 25, right? And so, I was 23. Yeah. We met in September and we were married in March. Right, right. And I think the reason that made sense was I'm, we're out of school and we were not like 20 years old wondering right. what we're going to do. We had paychecks. And, and we became best friends first. We did become best friends. That's very true. Yep. It was one of those great connections early on. We both kind of made eyes, uh, eye contact and knew that this was something that we wanted long-term, right? That's right. So we feel very fortunate, but I've always believed that God has a design for people. Um, if you're willing to kind of play it out and find the person that's best for you. And I am, uh, of course, clear that there's probably every, everybody can marry many different people, but I'm sure glad that you're the one I ended up with. So wow. that was, that was great. Terrific. Well done. And we're kind of a good example of opposites. I mean, she's very blue and I'm very yellow. So, you know, she brings to the table tons of creativity and structure and organizations. Um, if you've been to any of our homes, you know that um, they're like, like art pieces. They're just really creative works of art. And I would have been in a um, probably a, an apartment with not with top ramen. <laughs> so that part's been really nice. And I'm the fun meister. I start everything. She finishes everything. Um, but I started and like, I'll say, we're going to do this. We're going to go here. It's hard for me when I see couples that never go do things together. I'm like, I don't understand yes. that. I, I couldn't do that. Right. It's interesting too, through the years, him being yellow, I have just let him be the yellow person. Like the one year that we used to always go to Disneyland right. on Taylor's birthday every year, May 2nd, Disneyland. One year we had, right up to the very last minute, he had an emergency come up and couldn't go to Disneyland. So we really debated, so we should just wait, not go that day, put it off for a couple of weeks. But the kids were all home from school, very disappointed if we didn't go. So I took them to Disneyland alone. And when we came back, they came back. I then said, okay, now we're going to go again because, of course, I want to be in part of the party. So uh, we planned to go maybe a month or so later. And the kids said to Jean, be like you were when Dad wasn't there. Can you believe that? That was awful. It was No, it was incredible <laughs> because what they were saying was that when the Funmeister was gone, you became the Funmeister. So when we go to Disneyland, she's pushing the stroller and handing kids clothes and doing all that kind of grunt work. And I'm running around fountains and having a great time. And so she actually did that instead this time. And they liked that about her. So sometimes it's really kind of cool to see how you influence the person you love the most. They become more like you in uh, ways that are healthy, that are positive. And, and definitely, like even the color code would never have been written had she not stepped in and said, we're not going out this weekend until you write that chapter. So you actually can be very good for each other. And opposites do attract we tend to want what we don't have, and the other person brings that. With that comes the challenge, though, of navigating it together, right? Yes, yes. So I don't know if our listeners have heard about The Blue Zone, but uh, I love these books. They were written, like, in 2002. Um, a team was commissioned to identify where people lived the longest. And then it went from there to the best and the happiest and all that kind of stuff. What they discovered was there were five areas where people lived the longest. In Okinawa, Japan, women lived the longest. In Sardinia, Italy, men lived the longest. The 
Greek Isle off the coast of Turkey. Um, the people there lived eight years longer than most Americans and largely without dementia. Wow. And then in the Nicoya region of Costa Rica, middle-aged men and women both lived the longest. And then they're Loma middle-aged. How do you know they lived the longest? No. Nope. <laughs> 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 when they did the study, they were able to see people at what age they were, how long they were going to live based on what their parents did. Oh, okay. That's a good question. <laughs> and Loma Linda, California, a Seventh-day Adventist, um, lived 10 years longer than their California neighbors. So that was an interesting kind of study to kind of figure out, well, where were these places? So they, they said there were four elements that made that happen. One was they would move naturally. So not forced movement, but you, know, you all know as you get older that if you don't move, you're dead. You got to move. So they would move naturally. Uh, they would sit on the floor instead of always sitting on seats. Uh, they would make a walk instead of drive. Um, set number two, they would have the right outlook on life. They were not negative or positive. They had a sense of purpose and very stress free lives. They did very good jobs of removing stress from their lives. The third one was they ate wisely. Um, they made good choices on where they ate and how, what kind of food they ate. And the fourth was they had a sense of connection. There was a sense of belonging uh, in the community. So I was then thinking for today, we should talk about, well, what are the things that make for a happy marriage? Like if you were to study people and what are the things that they put into a relationship that makes it work, whereas others don't? Because just like with the Blue Zones, they literally did eat different foods than other people ate. They walked versus people driving. They, they made choices, Right. And um, then also, what are the things that maybe are cantankerous to a marriage, that they're cancerous? They actually, they make it not work well. So we're going to talk about that today. And it's kind of fun to have a, a real life couple doing that who've been married for a lot of years, <laughs> since 1975, and still going. Um, one of the ones I think is commitment. Yes. Right? Like you don't, you don't, you don't get in to get out, even though... I had, no, to, you <laughs> I had to know I could get out before I got in. That was my yellow way. Uh, yeah. And the first fight we had, I remember I was packing my bags and you go, where are you going? I said, well, obviously this isn't going to work. And you said, oh no, we're just getting started. <laughs> and yes. I've come to appreciate that about you, that your loyalty to what we committed to do. Like that was not a negotiable. Like we're in this for the long haul. But I also think I'm loyal to you more than just the Institute of Marriage. You are. You are. And that's a good point. Because people that are loyal just to the institution of marriage aren't necessarily loving. Right. But they show up. They right. pay the bills. They're there. But they're not really in love with the person, right, as much as they are the institution. And I do find that with some couples I work with that they, they'll tell me how loyal they are. But as they dig down, it's not to the person. It's to the commitment they made at marriage. And I think that if you're not committed to the person, like wanting them to grow, wanting them to win, wanting them to succeed, it comes back to bite you. Even though you're committed to the marriage, yeah, you won't get out, but you're not necessarily happy. Right. I, I think a, a lack of commitment also is what leads people into having affairs and right. all that. Right. Because in the moment you think, well, I deserve to because you're not yes. meeting my needs. Right. right? In fact, it's funny. Um, when we had the first fight when we were married early, like very early on. And I think the reason I was thinking it was over was because my parents never fought ever. They just divorced after years. 
great. That taught me a lot. They never talked to each other <laughs> either. No, they didn't. They didn't really. I think I think my mom was very condescending of my dad, to be honest with you. Um, and I think he got fed up. Just was more interested in other places and other people that made him feel wanted. Right. That's a good point. I. I think, are you committed to your spouse's success? Like, are you committed to them being their best self? I think some people have a hard time watching their spouse excel over them. Yeah, they do. They get competitive. Yes, yes. Which is not healthy, especially when you have different gifts and different skills. Why wouldn't you just want them to succeed at what they're doing and you can succeed at what you're doing? I think one thing that's helped us through the years is when we had two different points of view both opposite ways that we would, um, whoever cared the most about that situation, Uh, we let them give, you're right. Be the one that got their way. Made the decision. Yeah. That was a great, great point. We, cause we are very different. We're very opposite kind of people. And it really became very clear that if we're going to have harmony in our relationship, that there had to be an agreement to let somebody win at the expense of the other. So the, the bottom line was this, that if I, like, she cares about the house far more than I do. So she makes the final call on that, right? And I care much more about vacations, and therefore I make the final call on those. And so little things will come up, like, um, I don't know, whatever it might be. It doesn't really matter, but you'll know because the energy you put out for it. And I don't think we've ever had a trouble with deciding who cared more. Right. I right? don't think we have either. It's been very clear. And the way you tell is where the energy goes, where the energy is, right? And then also, I think you have to look at the person who's best skilled. Like there are some people that are just right. really better at something. So why wouldn't you use those skills to enhance you as a couple by taking their advice? So I, that's a good point. I do like that. And through the years, there's been many things we've come up with, and it's been a very easy way to solve it. I, some couples I've worked with, they actually just choose who's right the first time, and then the next person is right the next time because <laughs> they can't really figure out who's best at it. Um, but the bottom line is you don't want to get stuck. Like I know people get stuck. Or you argue about it to the point that neither one of you win. Right. And, you just and give you're up both on unhappy. It. Yeah. Yes. Or you both compromise. Right. So you're not really happy with it. That's a good point. I want you to think about yourself, whether you're the kind of person that wants the person you're with to win, or if you are not as convinced that they're as important as you. Uh, I read an article the other day. It was very good about... You should never want to go to bed with somebody who doesn't care whether you wake up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'll keep that in mind. (laughs) I was more more like, you want to think that they care about who you are and what you're doing in your life. At our age, that could be taken a little different. Yeah, it could be you died in the night. But but I didn't say it very well. But the idea is you want your spouse to know that you care about them, that you think about them, that you want things for them. And I think sometimes we take that for granted. I think men are worse at that than women, typically. But I think it's important for all of us. I think children feel the same thing when you care about them and you think about them, right? So commitment's a really good one. Um, And if you don't have that, you can learn to develop it. That's certainly something I've done. It was not something that was innate with me. I really had to know I could get out before I got in. So you can develop these skills that we're talking about. It'll make you a better person as well. Then another one I think it's interesting to me is humility. I I have just discovered in all my years working with people that some people just can't be wrong. They just can't look bad. They can't accept they did something wrong. They can't say they're sorry. They can't ever acknowledge that maybe there's growth they need to make. What do you think about that one? 
I agree with you, but I think humility, because I have more of that than you do. <laughs> no. Good try. But all right, um, let's hear it out. Let me, let me hear you on this. Go go with it. Um, Why do you think you're more humble? <laughs> oh, because you were educated at the University of Utah. Yes. And I was educated at BYU. At BYU, that's yeah. right. So I really did get a better education. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Okay. Um, why, why do you think that? Um, I think, no, I think you are actually more humble because you, I, the reason I think that is because you're very quick to forgive people yeah, and, um, and not as judgmental. And so it's True. easier for you to be humble because you don't have to be better than everybody else. Oh, I don't, you're right. I don't carry a need to have somebody less than me so that I'm okay with me. Right. That's true. I don't have that. But I, I mean, I don't like to hear things that are bad about me or wrong, but, but they are what they are. You can't deny them, I guess, in my mind. <laughs> but you can let things go a lot easier than I can. True. That's true. It is easier for me. Like things happen in life. Let it go. And you're like, well, that shouldn't have happened. <laughs> what did? Yeah, that's that. I just think humility. What I find is people that can't just say I'm wrong or I'm sorry get stuck. And then other people spend their whole life trying to beat them up. Like just get a pound of flesh. Could I just get you to admit that wasn't a good decision or whatever, right? Which is easier to do too. If you go back to the first one, you said the commitment. If you don't have commitment to the person. Yes, to the person. Yeah. I, I... they showed a study. It was so great that the worst thing, the best indicator of divorce was contempt. That when someone had contempt, uh, the marriage wouldn't last. And I think that people that don't forgive and resolve and are humble, I think they get stuck with resentment such that they can't really get over it. Um, That's an important one not to get married if you even have contempt, I think. For yeah. That person. Yeah. That would be a big roadblock yeah. in the beginning. Definitely a red sign, right? That's a red flag. What am I doing here? That's probably good. I, I, I don't, I feel sad for people that don't see the joy in somebody that they're married to. They don't see them yes. and be able to say, you know, I adore you, even though, by the way, that's not going to work. Like, or call right. them out. But that doesn't mean you don't like them. Right. Which was hard for me in the beginning of our marriage when you would say something, if I didn't agree with it, I, I would think that was mean. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, well, you took things personally. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Being blue, I took everything personal. Oh my gosh. That was so classic. I'm like, it, it could be anyone I'm saying this to, but it's not. <laughs> You're saying it to me. I know because you screwed up. <laughs> but the bottom line is you can't really personalize those things. And then because otherwise you just are resentful. Right. Yes. And by the way, I do think also criticism is a factor. I mean, I see people that they're critical of everything. Like it doesn't matter what the person does. It's not good enough. You should make more money. Well, What's that about? Like, like, why can you not? The class is never clean. Well, that criticism is constantly wearing on a relationship. If you're always looking for what's wrong with the other person, instead of saying, you know what? We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. Let them go. Yes. Right? Yes. So I want to talk about forgiveness because you raised that. I am a firm believer that many of my colleagues in mental health don't get truth. Like one of the things they struggle with is if somebody is dealt wrong, they don't necessarily need to forgive. And weak people go to them because they want to be validated that they don't have to forgive. Well, I think you should describe what you mean by forgiveness because until you really understand what forgiveness is for and for it's for yourself, mm-hmm. not just that you're trying to patch up. 
well, yeah, they've if, done. In fact, I don't necessarily think you should necessarily be with somebody. They may not be the right person for you. Like I have people in my life, I have forgiven them, but I have no desire to be around them at right. all. And so forgiveness for me is you just take yourself out of the picture. Stop making it about you. I think it's between God and the person. They've got issues to resolve. That's theirs to resolve, not yours. And when it hurts you, understand that you've hurt other people. Like we've all hurt yes. everybody in our lives. No one's been perfect at that, right? So if you can't forgive, then you can't be forgiven, so to speak. And I, but I don't have a problem with someone saying, I, okay, I can forgive them, but I don't want to be around them. Well, right. okay, choose a different lifestyle. That's fine. But don't stay stuck with them in your brain, wallowing and ruminating and thinking about it, right? Taylor often says when, if somebody, or if me or one of the kids, somebody says something mean, I'll say, well, don't take it personally. And I always say, it was said to me that, I, how do you not take it personally? <laughs> but I'm always like, it's the person that said it. Yeah. That you have to worry about Let them deal with that. Not you. It's not your problem unless you embrace it. Right. Yes. yes. So I, I always like that idea that you don't have to be the victim. You don't have to choose to embrace whatever someone says to you or hurt you. Um, people do bad things to us with finances and with friendships. And we've had things that have happened to us in our lives. And so what? The fact is, I've always said to someone in a divorce, be grateful you're not the one who's got character flaws. Be grateful you're the one that is free of that problem. Now, sadly, you're also in pain because you lost the relationship. But it's much harder for the one who's got the flaws to overcome those before they can actually have a healthy relationship. You can go find one now. They'll have to work to do before they can do that. Oh, that's good, yes. In fact, it brings me to um, the concept of character flaws. I... I'm very, even though I'm known as a personality guy, a motive guy, that's really what I'm about. I'm a big believer in character as a big factor in quality of life. So I don't really care if they're red, blue, white, or yellow. I mean, I like all of them, right? What I care about is somebody who is flawed character-wise. Give me an example of Um, somebody who is dishonest. Okay. um, And so they then take advantage of other people at the expense of them because they think they're more important than them. That's a character flaw. And as someone like a narcissist, they're a, I mean, narcissists are like pedophiles. You cannot rehabilitate them. We have never figured out how to do that. So what happens if you find yourself married to someone that has a character flaw? Depending on what it is and their effort and their willingness to work on it, you leave. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I think it's horrific if someone tries to stay with a narcissist thinking they'll figure it out. They will get worse and worse and worse. So you go like you made a mistake Yes, and get on with it. Don't stay with them. They're not going to nurture you for sure. And don't stay longer than you should because then you get in deeper and deeper. Someone said that the other day. They said, I'm staying because of the kids. And I said, you have a horrible marriage. It's ridiculous what you have. Like he's a drug addict and barely people won't trust you because he's involved in your life. The kids are not seeing anything good about what life could look like in a good marriage. That's what you're teaching them. And I said, I'm not telling you not to hit like him, I'm not saying not to stay connected as co-parents, but don't present your, your kids. This is what a marriage looks like. Yes. You know, but, and, and, and there's she, very few good examples these days. I, I agree with you. It's very sad that kids are growing up, not seeing really what great marriages can be because they do exist. I mean, you really can have a, a quality loving relationship in life, but you have to take ownership for what you're going to work on yourself. Like, what are you going to do? You can't always be fixing somebody who doesn't even choose to be fixed. And if they have character flaws, most likely they're making you the problem, not them. 
most likely. And, and you have to be careful not to believe them. I think that's I think, a real problem. I think you could start easily believing that, that, that you're the bad person. Yeah, that's very, it's interesting about that. Some of us have very strong kind of boundaries. Uh, I would have a very hard time buying any of that kind of stuff because by my nature, I'm like, that's so blatantly wrong, right? But you, on the other hand, are more likely to say, well, maybe they're right. I mean, that's kind of a nice trait you have about you. But if they were manipulative and really kind of clever at the way they did it, they told you that if you loved them more, they would be better. Those kinds of things, you might be more a victim to that. Yes. And I do think people get stuck in that world. And then they're kind of like, I don't know who to talk to. I think that's when you have to almost have a counselor or someone, even a good friend that could be honest with you and tell you. Right. That you would believe it if to know if it's your character flaws or theirs. That's such a good point. I, it bothers me tremendously when it's something is so obvious to me and they can't see it because they're in it. Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not rocket science. It's so wrong on so many levels. And they'll start giving me excuses. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm not telling you you have to get out. That's your life, not my life. But I'm not telling you it's going to work because there's not the genuine commitment that yes. you think is there because they're a character flaw. So be careful of that. If you're not really in a legitimate relationship, don't think you're going to save them and fix them at your expense and be happy about that. Right. Right. And don't think you're teaching your kids because the essence of raising kids is to show them what they can have when they leave you. And if all they see is fighting or disconnect, uh, that's not a great message that you're teaching them. Our codependency. Right. Right. So, I mean, I'm sorry, by the way. I don't think it's wonderful. Or disloyal also. Yeah, that's right. Don't think it's disloyal. That's right. I, I don't think it's easy to do. I mean, I'm making it so, I mean, I'm so clear in my mind about it. It's like math to me, two plus two. But the human element is not easy. Like, it's a painful thing when people have to break up a family. But at the same time, you matter. Like, who you are as a person. And you can't keep saving someone who's pulling you down lower every time they do it. Just, I think sometimes you think you're saving your kids by staying in a marriage. I agree. But you're not. Your kids are smarter than you think, by the way. They see truth far better than you do. And by the way, if they are they struggling themselves, they may not be able to see what's best for them. So right. be careful you don't, as a parent, drag them through that for a lifetime. And another one I think is really important is humor. Like, we all are fools. We all make mistakes. We all do things badly. Like, that's a reality, right? It's so fun. I was just doing a, a podcast with a woman from England. And the technical piece of this that Richie does so well, I am totally inept. Like, if he were not on, I would do none of this, right? Because he just knows what to do. And he doesn't tell me in a demeaning fashion. Like, even when he says, are you sure it's plugged in? He doesn't say he's he does, stupid. Yeah, he doesn't. He thinks probably, but he doesn't say it. And because I welcome his expertise in my life, we are able to put this together, right? But I am inadequate in that arena. And I think all of us are inadequate. Like when it comes to people, I feel very comfortable. I take me any problem, I can go there and figure it out, but not technical skills. And I think that it's sad when you can't laugh at yourself, when you can't say, oh my gosh, what an idiot I am. Um, I, I think it's so great when couples can do that with each other, not necessarily mocking the other person as just laughing about it. Right. 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 That didn't work out so well, did it? That kind of thing. Right. As opposed to, I knew it would, we should never have done this. I can't believe you drugged me into this, made a mess out of my life. So couples that tend to be happier tend to be actually, they also have better humor too. 
Yes, I would agree with that. Everything can't be so serious. Yes, yes. No, life's serious enough. You don't need to make it more serious. So I'm hoping that people will think about the relationship. Who brings the humor? Um, I've always said that every relationship needs someone who's more needy. That's you and our relationship, right? Yes. And I think it's great. Otherwise, why are you together, right? And I think there needs to be opposites because you can't, no one person can do everything. So it's nice to have somebody that can do something you can't do. Uh, that makes the marriage more uh, abundant. Um, and humor is very critical. Don't, if you're, if you're condescending. Or- like the time when we were building our house and we, <laughs> we were having an inspection the next day. And so Taylor was walking through the house with me and we were just making sure everything was cleaned up. He picked up a five gallon bucket of oil-based paint and threw I'm, it out the window. I'm very muscular. You know. Out the door. He was- <laughs> I can lift heavy things. And it splattered all up the side of our house with the rock. And I could have killed him. And I think everybody would have said that I was justified. Just, yes. But even the we build, still even laugh the build, about it. The builder said, just don't have him do anything anymore. And I was like, God bless that man. <laughs> it was the best moment of my life. Yeah. And if we'd not laughed about that, there are people that I know would still say today, I, I still see that and I get mad at you. Yes. That kind yes. of stuff, right? So, yeah, you've got to be able to laugh at things that you do that just aren't right. It happens, right? But I do think it's, a, it's just kind of a great concept. I want you to think about this. So we've got we to gotta quit for today. But there are blue zones, they call them, in terms of longevity and happiness in life. There are blue zones in healthy relationships also. I think you need to make it clear that blue zones are not have nothing to do with blue people, right? <laughs> That's why I married her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a great point. It has nothing to do with the color blue. Right. They call it blue zone. Or the personality blue. Or the personality blue. No, it's okay. not about that. That's a good point. Okay. Although we all know that having a good blue makes it a blue that's zone. That's right. <laughs> having a bad blue makes it a very bad zone. <laughs> all right. So thank you very much. It was great doing this with you. That was fun. We hope our audience liked it. We'll find out, I guess. <laughs> so... Audience, you're terrific. You know, we love you. Um, Thanks for listening to us on a regular basis. We hope you have a wonderful week. And uh, this is Dr. Taylor Hartman and his wife, Jean Hartman, signing off for now. Very best of living. Bye Bye now. Hey, Color Code family. It's Kathy Larson. I want you to take down a number. I want you to put this in your contact list under the people code. The number is 385-526-2350. Again, 385-526-2350. Text the word VIP to that number and you'll get back from us a request for your name and your email. That way we'll be in touch with you on anything that's happening at the people code, any offerings, exciting things that are coming up. And you can let us know what your needs are by texting us at that number. Look forward to staying connected even more. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.